0: Hey, everybody. So far, we've done 56 episodes of The Hair Game, and we've covered a lot of ground. It's gotten to the point where some of our newer listeners may not make it to the earlier ones, so we're doing a second best of episode with numbers 11 to 20. If you like a certain segment, go back and catch the whole thing. Episode 11 is with Zach Killian, wig virtuoso. We also videoed this episode, so if you want to see the wigs and how ridiculous I looked wearing them, go to the Hair
1: Game YouTube channel and see the video named Inside the Mind of Zach Killian. I love doing hair. I love my clients. I love color cuts. But there's a little part of me, I think it's that like theater kid inside of me. I love extra. I love the the extraness of (laughs) theater. And Uh I wanted to... Kind of embrace that extraness with hair. Sure, and as a I, kid, I can't imagine why you would uh, want to do that. <laughs> I mean, I'd had experience with wigs growing up. Okay. Like as a kid, I was fascinated by wigs. I know it's like a strange thing, but I, I just loved them. And I would like I had my grandma buy me wigs, and I would sit there and I would braid them, and I would parade them around. And say, do you think this one's pretty? What do you think of this braid? Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know, it just, I was always doing theater and I would do wigs for my friends who were doing like theater productions. For fun? Um, well, yeah, for fun. Yeah. I was young, I wasn't like a licensed cosmetologist. Right. I, I just loved doing it. Mm-hmm. I liked that I could transform, just like, you know, a mop of straight hair or whatever texture hair and create a different shape out of it. Yeah. How did you get to the part where we start getting into stuff like this?
0: And and this. Because, I mean, this is, uh, this is spectacular.
1: Nobody else does stuff like this. I mean, I think everyone has it in them to be able to do something. <laughs> but really, I just kind of took, like, my um, things that inspired me mm-hmm. and just kind of took it to the next step, I guess. Mm-hmm. I loved, like, vintage hair. I loved that big, glamorous, wavy look. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know. I just kind of... Thought. Why don't I try to create that look with different textures of hair? Um, and so, where did you go? Like, like, what is this made of? This is, it's synthetic hair. Okay. All of my like all of the big wavy ones. Yeah. That's it's all synthetic. Okay. So uh, it's like like a clown wig or something? Actually, this this particular one, this is from the beginning when I was still like experimenting. Okay. It's, I act. It's actually just three clown wigs that really? I pinned together and. Cut kind of like a hedge, and then I mold it with a with a blow dryer. Yeah, with heat, heat, right? Yeah,
0: because it's it's plastics essentially. It's, yeah,
1: it's plastic. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Do you like doing your normal clients more, or do you like doing your wigs more? If you have if you had to give one up, which would you give up? I'm not answering that. I, that's an evil question. I shouldn't have even <laughs> asked it. Okay, so you're making six of these things a month, and um, they're for a lot of different people. Are there any entertainment
1: related use? Yeah. Um You know, I, I actually have done a lot for some of the queens from RuPaul's Drag Race mm-hmm. Which I, I love that show And it's um, definitely inspired me to make wigs Because I was inspired by a lot of other wig makers on Instagram Or wig stylists mm-hmm. um, But yeah, I've done... It's kind of crazy, like, the opportunities that these wig, wigs have brought about Oh, like a what? Um... Well, I did a few wigs for um, this coming season or this current season of America's Next Top Model. Awesome! Yeah, I have a few wigs in uh, that f- in the first episode. Nice. Yeah. Um, and Contact, when does that air? That airs, I believe, in December. I believe it's December first. It might have already started. Okay, so after. we'll probably air after that. Yeah, I did. I just recently did a piece for Ashanti. Nice. Uh, yeah. Uh one of my my wig was featured on her newest single, Say Less.
2: Nice.
0: Yeah. On her music
1: video? No, it's on it's actually her single cover. Oh, come on. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. Good for um, you. Yeah. I did a couple pieces for Bjork which she has not worn yet. Um but but she's got them.
3: <laughs> she, and so she <laughs> They she were or, for
1: Bjork. She she ordered them custom. They it was actually through her her I don't know, her stylist or her friend who is of her styling team I don't mm-hmm. know um, but yeah they were specific orders it's nothing like this okay
0: but. so has anybody ever um, you know not liked it and you have to change it
1: and stuff like that no
0: <laughs> episodes 12 and 13 are with tab Salzman aka tab cuts hair on Instagram
4: I think that the the idea of thinking that the in-person way of marketing is a is an old way is really really uh, the wrong mindset because once they meet you in person you have to sell them so you know professionalism how do you look I mean people aren't gonna pick the out of shape personal trainer they're gonna pick the personal trainer whose body they want mm-hmm. so you know like I can't tell you how many times uh, you know I walk into salons when I'm out traveling because I just love to get a fill for like an area so you're in like random place America and you walk into a salon, and what do you see? It's it, it looks like some people rolled out of bed. It looks like some people uh, were wearing the outfit the night before, depending on what night you or day you walk in on the salon. And I think the in person marketing is that people will more than likely take beauty advice from someone who's well-presented or presents themselves really well. It doesn't mean you have to show up in a tuxedo or ball gown. I mean, you gotta look good Look fresh, look clean. So I think that's the in-person marketing is the visual connection that people want to connect with someone. Even if you have a really, really wild style and you pull it off well, and by well I mean confident and tasteful. Um, I can't tell you how many crazy hairdos I've had over the years. And I had, you know, little old ladies go, "I just love the way you look." Mm-hmm. And I had, like a, you know, a white mohawk, and everything else is black, and it looks like a, you know, like I was wearing a skunk on my floor, on my head. But they liked it because it was done. Nice or tastefully. So, um, I think that's one of the in-person marketing. The other thing is approaching people in public.
0: Yeah, old school. With old your, school. With, with
4: your card, right? With your card, and cards are old school. But like now, your business card can have so much more information. It could have your name and where you work and how to book your book through you. So some people, you know, it's a phone call. They call the salon front desk or they have an online booking app. But now, on your business card, you can also have your Facebook page. You could have a Yelp page if you want to. You could have a YouTube channel. You could have your own mm-hmm. personal website. So you're, so now, if you give uh, a stranger your business card, they, um, now they have like tens of thousands of ways to contact you mm-hmm. if you want them to contact you and see your work. So if somebody's not sure of you, they can immediately vet you out via their mobile phone, their smartphone. And I think the business card is one of the more underutilized ways. I mean, I never used cards, but now I have a reason to use cards because now I have more than one thing I want them to know me for, other than where I work but and how to find me, but here's where my work resides online. So you mm-hmm. can see, hey, I'm the right person for you
0: everyone gets beauty services done even if they do it at home for for god's sakes agreed they, they do something with their hair and so if you're a hairdresser you immediately have a connection to everybody around you if you're willing to just look around and you know strike up a conversation
4: i agree it's uh i can't tell you how many clients i've 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 received by just having a casual conversation i'm like oh that's a that's a that's a cool whatever and like oh cool and they say oh I got it here and I'll say oh I um uh, and they can say it like a completely different city or state and thankfully because I travel as an educator I get to visit a lot of places I'm like oh I got that in um, you know uh, Charlotte North Carolina oh my gosh I uh, I've been to Charlotte I was actually teaching a class out there and like oh teaching what do you do oh I'm a hairdresser oh my gosh we just moved to the area from Charlotte we need a hairdresser or or whatever it is and. It's amazing. Like I, I think I, I for a long time was trying to turn every conversation about me. And I know that sounds really narcissistic, <laughs> but it was a time when I was building a clientele. So I needed the conversation to get onto my turf of what my objective was. And the reason I started these conversations is you know, you notice you have great style, the the clothes, the purse, the shoes, you know, if you have if you know what uh, brands are or which particular brands are, you know the cost factor. And you know that, oh, you know what, those those sandals are $300, okay? Like, I'm not buying $300 sandals, but they are, which means if they're buying $300 sandals, they could afford a $300 service probably. Yeah, they really care about how they look. Exactly. And so that's what I was doing is I was going and seeking that and trying to always, you know, change the conversation to about hair or where I worked and, you know, early on in my career. And it worked out to be – a really good thing.
0: So then, uh, what about referral? Do you have any tips and tricks about referral? I think
4: referrals feel like a little, to a lot of people that they're asking their clientele for more money or more business. Like, Hey, can you give me all of your friends? I mean, that's really what you're asking. Like, but I think the way to do it is like, is to ask them, so where are you going today? Oh, I'm going to the social event. When they say social event, that's like the, per- that's like a gold mine. That's like when the, the clouds split open, and whoa! And like the light shines. and You're like, there we go. Now I have my in. And then I'm like, oh, what's the, oh, what's this event? And they tell me, like, oh, that sounds cool. So, do you do this often? Yeah, we do this often. So who are the, who are your friends? Oh, such and such, and blah 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 blah. And it's for this. And you go, that sounds great. Like, oh, who does their hair? And you know, they the all will say like, oh, you know, I actually don't know. And this one person never has good hair and blah, 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 blah. They should come to you. And then at that moment you go, yes, yes, they should. <laughs> you don't even shy away from it. Just confirm their, 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 their request, you know. Yes, they should come to me.
0: So let's talk about the uh, cosmetology education, you know, uh, that begins a hairdresser's career and then work that into like the deregulation um, uh, conversation. And so, yeah, I whipped up a few little stats here just to kind of begin this topic. Because um, this topic is, uh, this one makes people angry right off the bat. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> almost religious. It's almost, uh, pol- it's very political and almost religious, right? Yeah. So, it, so just to put things in perspective, um, 35 states require 1,500 hours uh, for a cosmetology, to, to, uh, cosmetology license. Thirty-five oh. states require fifteen hundred hours. Uh, California offers, uh, or at least requires, sixteen hundred, so it's right there, pretty much in the average. Do you know which state requires the least? No, I don't. Massachusetts and New York City require one thousand hours.
4: Oh, I thought it was nine hundred. Okay, so a thousand, and then I think Utah's like at eighteen hundred or two thousand.
0: Um, well, let's see. I didn't write that down, but. Uh, Florida and Colorado are at 1,200, so those are the those are the next lowest. Mm. And then, and and by the way, that this is uh, this information, uh, this information is about four months old. So if something changed, you know, and uh, during the summer of 2017, then then this is going to be outdated. But I think it's pretty pretty accurate. Iowa, Nebraska, and South Dakota require 2,100 hours wow. of schooling, and And then you've got Idaho and Montana that require 2,000 hours. Hmm. So my question to you, um, as a licensed hairdresser, given these facts, I mean, is a New York hairdresser half as capable as a hairdresser that's coming out of Iowa when they get out of school?
4: I think that's the question that is partly why we're talking about the deregulation. I mean, I definitely, you know, I don't, I don't think the amount of hours has anything to do if somebody's more qualified out of cosmetology school to go into a salon. Because I think inherently the schools don't do a job at preparing hairdressers for a salon life. So, regardless of which state you're in or how many hours you had to put in, the question is are you salon ready out of the gate? It's uh it to me it, it I don't think most hairdressers are salon ready.
0: And this is the second part of my conversation with Tab Salzman episode 13. I always
4: felt that when they were talking about diversion that was the diversion.
0: <laughs> they were diverting people, they were diverting the truth.
4: Yeah, like it's like if it was like a comic book and like the New York Times or like the New Yorker it was like a bunch of hairdressers looking at the person like be be wary of Walmart. You're buying fake stuff. And then behind the group was like the the product company pushing a giant box in the truck that said Walmart. Right. That said hair product.
0: And taking a bunch of cash with them.
4: Yeah, exactly. E- exactly. Like ducktail style. You know, swimming in coins. And um I always thought that. And now with Amazon, you know, and the online stuff, I mean, I have friends who own hair care lines, and they, you know, they sell in salons, and they also sell on Amazon, and they sell at great places like Neiman Marcus. You know, one of my friends has a hair care line there, Philip B., great, great sure. haircare line, buddy of mine.
3: Yeah.
4: Um, and, you know, he said Amazon has been really great for business. Now, I've, I haven't asked him, how do the salons feel about that? Because that's the last thing I want to do is talk to my friend about business. I want to talk to my friend about him being my friend. Um, but I think what's going to happen is um, nobody should be surprised that companies are capitalistic and that they want to make more money. But I'm, I'm wondering at some point, does capitalistic become, become cannibalistic, that they're going to hurt their core audience by being so hungry for capital? That they become accountable, um, and then how many of these salons will now stop using these, pro- these products because they're so readily available? I, I, I'm almost wondering if like a niche market is going to happen where smaller, boutique, or almost local or regional product brands will start up, and they only are sold in like maybe three or four states, and they're not going to want to go through the proper distribution channels.
0: Um, people seem to be seem to think that retailing and selling to their clients is anathema and it's really unseemly but is it not part of the service isn't it not what part of the the experience that a a um, a lady goes in and she gets her hair color doesn't she want to know the best product to use on her hair and wouldn't it be ideal if the hairdresser had that product right there
4: i i, I actually 100 percent agree with you i do and i think that that's I, my thing is I'm trying to figure out why people don't do that already.
0: Well, and, and, and I'll answer that question. And um, Please. I, I don't understand it, but, <laughs> but this is what I hear sometimes. It's that they don't want to have to worry about it. So they're making, you know, they have their studio, they're making gobs of money, they're happy. Um, that's, they don't want to have to worry about the, the retail And so often my response is, well, it's not necessarily about you making more money. It's about you kind of completing the quality of the service and the experience that you're offering to your clients. I I read something yesterday that said uh, only two out of 10 consumers buy their their products for their hair in a salon. That's crazy. Yeah. So... I think that there's a tremendous opportunity for for hairdressers to do it, and um, I think it's a lot easier than a lot of them think. And uh, we do our best to offer business education, retail education. We actually had a class today. It was on this Instagram Live at at our uh, Salon Republic Hollywood. Where um, a lady stood in front of a class of the maxed out eighteen people in a studio and talked for two hours about how to improve their their uh, retail sales from the standpoint of this being better for your clients, not necessarily just more money in your pocket, although you know that's really good too. So, it, as far as the topic is concerned with Amazon selling product, you know there it may introduce price pressure. So the you know Olaplex number three is available on Amazon, and it's you know about twenty to twenty two dollars. Um, that's a little bit less than the manufacturer suggested retail price. If I was an independent hairdresser, you know, in a chair or a studio, I would probably reverse engineer the process through which a consumer goes and buys uh, the products that I sell and I would price compare and then I would make sure that I'm competitive and I would make sure that my clients knew that they're not going to find it in a, uh, in a uh, more convenient or much better priced place. And what? I think I would do my best to become the primary source of um, expertise for their hair and make sure that they know that um, that they're not losing out or overpaying by by being with me.
4: No, I think that that all makes sense to do. I mean, these are such logical, you know, thought process. But I think a lot of hairdressers just want to like play with the hair and go to the next client. It's sure. it's kind of like the what is it? The movie Up with the dog. He's like blah 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 squirrel and. Um, <laughs> You know, that's kind of like hairdressers. We're like, ah, now we're like, score squirrel, next client, you know. <laughs> um, or, or um, hairdressers. I said this in the our first meetup on, on camera. Is that hairdressers are notoriously just frightened. It seems like of di- handling cash or handling the checkout or, like, if you're suggesting, hey, you need this shampoo, it's almost like you're begging them for extra money. I'm not. You're not begging anybody for for money. You're you're saying, hey, like for instance, if you had a car, and you have to get your oil maintained. Wouldn't you like to know how many miles you have before you need to go to the next service, right? So look at it that way. Like, hey, if you use this color shampoo that's going to prevent color fading, you're not going to have to see me as much until your roots really get bad. I don't do color, so I'm doing a probably a really, really shitty analogy. But <laughs> if you know that this shampoo is going to help extend the longevity of your hair, you're going to love your hair more and you're not going to see me as much. So that means your time is not going to be inconvenienced. So you should just buy this product. Um, and that's a very, uh, you know, village idiot response. But like, I just look at it like that. Like, why, why would you not be offering something that your clients, like your clients are using shampoo, conditioner, like, hello, people, wake up. They're already fucking using this shit. Right? Why are they not using the shit that you know is going to help them? you did a double-processed blonde, they're going home and buying Pantene or Head & Shoulders, and you know that they need to have whatever it is that you sell, that you use, that you know is gonna save their hair. Like, they're already using shampoo and conditioner. It's not like they're using shampoo and conditioner and you're trying to sell them like a rocket or a motorcycle, like something completely irrelevant to what you're doing. Like, it's part of what you're doing it's and, just crazy to me
0: and the hairdressers who are not doing this um, is there are some of you out there i know that you're listening right now
4: guilty people <laughs> hey,
0: your, your head to shame your money is going into the coffers of ulta and amazon and these other huge companies and it, you, uh, i mean
4: there's tons
0: as as someone who has spent the last you know Uh, many, many, a couple decades of his life trying to make hairdressers happy and successful. It drives me absolutely nuts. Episode 14 is titled, Habits of the Most and Least Successful Indie Hairdressers. I wrap that with Daniel Ryder, who's managed several Salon Republic locations and worked with probably a thousand hairdressers over a 15-year career in the industry.
5: I think the successful hairdressers are very realistic about their business. They know how many clients they have. They keep a really sharp record of that. Uh, they're really good at retailing products. They are aware of how the industry is constantly changing and so they are uh, on top of all of the trends, making sure they're continuing their education that's a huge thing. Um, social media ginormous you know that's that's really how how you can build your career and then just um you know making sure that you're constantly hustling and uh, and seeking clients. You, you've got you've to build, you've got to continue to build. And we've seen people do that, right? Mm-hmm. So we have people who have come in, after seeing it for 12 years, coming in with the smallest studio and expanding to two or three or multiple locations. Mm-hmm. That's what can happen. But those are the people who are aware of their business and, and are constantly um, understanding that they're the owner and that they're responsible for the success of, of their business. Pre-booking is huge you're getting the client on the books for their next appointment, chances are they're going to honor that, as opposed to letting them walk out the door and not do that, who knows what they're going to come back in six weeks, maybe it's eight weeks. So pre-booking. Huge. It's, it's a value to them, and it's a value to the hairdresser. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. We, have a cli- we have one of our stylists um, who's been very successful for many, many years, who pre-books for the year. His clients, it's not just the next appointment. That's they, a really good idea. Yeah. And, they, and, and that's it. And guess yeah. what? They probably will honor it. Yeah. And then they know, like you said, it's good for them. It's good mm-hmm. for them. It's good for you. Everyone knows we're taken care of. Like, I'm solid. Right. So that's, that's, a, big, that's a big deal. Um, making sure that uh, you're flexible. You know, you have the ability to accommodate their schedule even more so now. Because you're not mm-hmm. operating under the guise of mm-hmm. a traditional salon's hours. Mm-hmm. You can work whenever you want to. So being, being flexible for your clients, customer service, that's huge, right? Mm-hmm. Show up. When you're going to be there, be 15 minutes early. You know, so some unsuccessful stylists, yeah, who are late constantly. Yeah,
0: we, we've had some, right? We've had some. We've had definitely, some Yes, who, who have moved in, um, and and they just they fail miserably, unfortunately. Uh, and what, what are they, what are they doing that causes them to, to not be successful? Right. Well, not showing up. That's I
5: mean that's a big one. Um, not accommodating their clients, maybe overcharging. Sometimes that does happen. Mm-hmm not understanding the value of providing retail products to their clients, it's showcasing your work, right? I mean, that's why we we sell products. The products are actually to enhance what they've just paid good money for. Mm -hmm. So, why not do that? It's good for them, it's good for you. Yeah, Um, and I I think just not being realistic about how many clients they have. I think that's the biggest one. People come in, very ambitious, which is great you know I love to see that sort of fire like oh I can be a business owner but then not having the follow-through like well what does that actually mean like Mm -hmm. have I actually gone through my financials have I actually looked at my clients have I reached out to my clients and said hey you know I'm thinking about doing this thing on my own would you be willing to change locations would you be willing to follow me to a, a new spot right some will be some won't be but I think it those when they're not looking at the reality of the situation which is pretty basic, mm-hmm. um, those are the ones I think who, who, have, who have failed. And also, the ones who don't want to work. We have seen that too, you know? People come in and they think, oh, now I'm the boss. I'm the big boss, so um, I, uh, you know, come in and I make my schedule and do, do what I want to do, but it's like, no, at the end of the day, if no one's in your chair. The client's the boss. The client is the, the boss. The client is always the boss. Right. It doesn't matter what kind of salon you're working it's in. It's true, it's true. So one of my favorite success stories is a stylist at our Pico location, Keenan. He um, came in right after graduating from school, and he was really excited about this idea. It was a new concept, and he really wanted to, to rent a space. And so um, I asked him if he had a clientele. He had an okay clientele, but he was still, you know, just starting out. And we kind of went through it all. And I and I said, to him, "Do you think you're ready? Do you think you're really ready to do this financially? are You ready? Do you have people that are going to follow you?" And he was smart and realistic and said, no, I'm not. I'm not, th- you know, I, I'm gonna need to build. So, he did exactly that. He went off, he built his clientele, he was in four salons in five years, and he came back after the five years and he was ready to do it and he was so excited and we luckily had a space available and he's now been there, you know, for a number of years and is continuing to be successful in his business. So, right out of school, That's knew- awesome. knew he wasn't ready, did the work came back and you know I was successful so that's amazing it's great and then we have a stylist here on the other flip side of that at the Santa Monica location fresh out of beauty school she was very active on social media she really built up her Instagram accounts her she had while a, she was in school while she was in school so she was constantly doing her friend's hair doing you know um, the, the all of the studying at school and, and you know sh- showcasing the work that she was doing as she was learning mm-hmm. and you could see the, the progression of growth too right so you're seeing before and after, from the a student who then now goes through the program and is graduating. She graduated from school, came to us, had a set clientele. She was ready to roll. She was not playing around. And um, you know, I was even skeptical. I'm like, Are you sure that you can can jump in? Like you've been out of school for two months. And she was ready. So she, we had the smallest studio available. She took it, which is always great. You know, like don't start too big. You want to start in this teeny little spot. Fantastic. If we have one available, utilize it. You know, from there, continued to build. It's been three years now. She's had to expand to a larger space, bringing an assistant because she's just become so successful and literally built off of social media.
0: Episode 15 was me walking around the floor of the West Coast hair show called ISSE, interviewing some of the people you all know and love. And I'm with this power couple here, David and Alexis Thurston with Paul Riot. Say hello. What's up, guys? How's it going?
6: Hey, everyone.
0: You're all over the world, and you see salons, and you see hairdressers all over the world. Give us a little enlightenment. What's happening out there?
2: The one thing that I'm seeing um, is they're not using towels like they're using these biodegradable towels that they throw away. Every yeah. salon we go to has it's these things. Towels. We're actually yeah. going to try it at our salon, Butterfly law for the very first time. We're going to bring it back and see if our staff will warm up to them. But the idea is, is you don't wash things, you don't use as much water, you throw them away. Um, it's pretty weird.
5: friendly you know, so you're not, you know, using as much detergent and water and everything, so we're gonna give it a try.
0: That sounds amazing because we wash many many thousands of towels a day. Things are going in all sorts of different directions right at the same time. It's a great time. It's so cool. So yeah we've been enjoying it too. So thank you so much for your time and good luck with the Pulp Riot. Thank you so much for the opportunity and we absolutely love Salon Republic. Love it.
7: I'm standing here with Jordan. Jordan tell us what you're doing with the Olaplex right now. In the next couple of weeks I'll be heading to India, Thailand, Singapore, Honduras but um... You know, it's amazing being able to share my love for Olaplex and obviously the love for hair worldwide. That's crazy,
0: what an amazing job.
7: Tell us what's happening with Olaplex right now. Do you guys have anything new happening? So without giving too much detail, we are going to have new products in 2018. But you can give us all the detail you want. Our goal really with this industry is to change absolutely everything. We want to be like the apple of the beauty industry. Olaplex was the iPhone up next we got the iPad, the iPod, and everything else in between. Oh I
0: like that. That's pretty good. Did you practice that? So you go all over the world with your position at Olaplex. Tell us the things that are happening in the in the business that maybe a hairdresser is not gonna see who's behind the chair all the time.
7: If you go anywhere outside the US, there is a huge focus on texture in the industry, which completely blew my mind. Because it's not just about being Barbie blonde. They want to see movement, you know. Perms don't have to be like they were straight out of the 80s. It's no longer the higher the hair, the closer to God. What about in the US? Fashion colors are becoming commercially acceptable and commercially viable. You know, it doesn't matter if you're 15 years old or 50 years old, you can definitely rock them to varying degrees.
0: I've seen a lot of 70-year-old ladies rocking the rose gold,
7: which is really cool to see. The old ladies are the best. I love old ladies because, you know what, they're at a point where they're like, screw it I don't care I'm old you heard it
0: here Jordan likes old ladies oh yeah Philip wolf and you' were about you're up on stage tell us what you were doing yeah so I was up there demonstrating a little
8: bit of uh, styling techniques you know after a treatment's been done and then uh, I snuck in a little cutting too
0: oh nice <laughs> so does the Brazilian have anything new coming out
8: you know uh, b3 does and it's um, it's a color locking system. So essentially after a color service, you want to spray that on and it just like seals it in. You can, uh, we've even tested with like laundry detergent to see if it would take it out. It keeps the vividness for extra weeks. It's crazy.
0: Anything new in the in the industry that you're seeing happening
8: right now? There, there's so many new products and new, I don't want to say gimmicks, but just different ways of uh, approaching things. So it's kind of a very exciting times. I love the willingness of people going out of the norm to try to get into the market as a non
0: hairdresser I watch everybody and there's there are groups that do things this way and then there's groups that do things that way and then there's groups that do things like and it's like where do you fit in as a hairdresser it's like you you can choose you can choose
8: absolutely you know back when I started there was only a few you were like either this way or that way and that was it you know what I mean and now our generation of hairstyles were a blend of all that back in the day plus some so now everybody's branching off and there's so many ways yes i'm sure for the young it's very overwhelming but the beauty is you can take bits of all that and then elevate it even more i'm i'm excited to see the next generation come up and to see where that goes because this right now
0: is it's mayhem it's crazy and i love it so what's going on with Redkin right now? Anything new?
6: We've just launched our Redkin Brews, and what happened is, is we've taken the Redkin for men and we've de-genderized it. So Redkin Brews is still on the masculine side with its scents and its flavors, but at the same time, it's not just for men anymore.
0: It looks very masculine.
6: Yeah, well, it just depends. If you've got, if you're working on your masculine side, that's the three-in-one. So the three-in-one is your shampoo, conditioner, and body wash all in one. All
0: right. <laughs> Because men can't be trusted to do three separate things with three different products. I totally get it. And I'm with Presley Poe, What? You just told me she loves LA.
6: So much. <laughs>
0: Tell us your role at Pravana.
6: I am the head colorist of our Pravana collective and I couldn't be more happy about it.
0: And so what does that have you doing? Flying all over the place?
6: All over the place, I'm all, I'm all over the place. I'm all over the nation and hopefully one day the world. Hopefully, I'm like, hint, hint, Pravana. Yeah.
0: What's your favorite city to go to in the, in the in the States? Other than Portland, Portland is not a good answer. You have to choose someplace other than Portland.
6: Uh, I think Alabama was really cool. The women there?
0: Shout out to oh, Alabama. Boy, boy. Tell us about Provano, what's new, uh, what's new with the company, what's new with the line, anything going on?
6: So we have a new vivid edition coming and it's uh inspired by Healing Crystals, which I think is a really beautiful story. So we're really excited about that launch. They'll be coming out after February 14th. So. Yeah,
0: my wife's in the Healing Crystals. There's there's healing crystals around the house. Yeah. Yeah. Tell us about the things that you see, what are the, like, the changes that are happening in the industry right now?
6: You know, one of the things that I love is that like rude boy haircuts are coming back for girls. So we're seeing that really strong female empowerment and just cropping it off. Like G.I. Jane, you know Sigourney Weaver and Aliens, like girls are not afraid right now to just go all the way. But we're seeing Link come back for men, which I also love because, you know... Not, not every man needs short hair. And I, I love that we're having like a kind of like a gender reverse again, longer hair for men, shorter hair for women. And I just think that's so powerful. We're also, you know, I think really instead of change, there's the evolution that we're really embracing kind of everything right now.
0: It's almost like the trendless trend, right? And
6: it's like the trendless trend. Like you can really do anything you want. I mean, look at me. And people are like, that's so cool. You know? <laughs> yeah.
0: Hashtag trendless trend.
6: I like that. Yeah. yeah. You, heard,
0: you heard it right like it. here first.
6: Thank you, Presley. Thank you so much.
0: Episode sixteen is with Jamie Dana, known as Jamie Dana Hairstylist on Instagram, who is a hairdresser and Instagram coach for hairdressers.
9: It's interesting. I see a lot of the people just posting just hair photos, and that's something that I've been preaching a lot more lately. Of Back in the day when Instagram first started in the hair industry, people were like, don't post personal, just post hair photos. Nobody wants to see anything else. And it was the back of the head against a wall with a ring light, right? White wall, ring light, back of the head. Um, These are what I call mugshot photos now, or you just get the front of the face and the back of the head and and no personality in the pages. Um, And back in the day, that was great. That was kind of the first step into what I saw people doing of like, well, I don't know what to do, so let's get a white wall, ring light, back of the head. That's it. Right now people are bored. People have seen that. Um, and when I first jumped on Instagram, it was, if somebody had a hair page, you followed them because there weren't very many hair pages out there. And now everyone has a hair page. And so why would I follow you over somebody else? Um, and seeing just that same hair photo, hair photo, hair photo, it's boring and people want to be surprised they want to be wild they want some personality into a page they're going to follow so some of my biggest suggestions is add some personality and the way that you can do this is Step away from that white wall and the ring light, and get your clients engaged with the photo. Have them play with their hair, take different angles, do a close-up photo. Um, you know, maybe it's throwing a braid in their hair to add a little bit more detail. Um, maybe it's just taking up a close-up detail shot of the beautiful blend you got. Um, maybe it's having them pull their hair through, you know, hands through their hair and snapping a bunch of different photos. Even with that, it's adding more personality into the page, and that's going to help you stand out from everybody else Um, another thing I totally recommend is have a photo of you on your page Um, clients and potential clients or if you're trying to become an educator people want to know who you are they want to see the person behind the page and that's so key so if I jump on an Instagram page and the profile photo is a picture of hair and it's just photos of hair and there's no photos of the stylist it's just their name How am I supposed to know who you are? How am I supposed to create emotional connection with you? So we have to make sure that your profile photo is a beautiful photo of you and and you're posting photos of you here and there. I recommend at least once a month um, so that people can kind of get to know you and share details about your life. Share um, maybe maybe you could do an introduction post for the first time if you've never done that and, you know, share 10 random facts about you. Um, those types of posts are the ones that get the most engagement because people want to get to know you. We live in a, um, social media world where people actually do want to create relationships and create connections and they have to know what you look like. Um, so that's definitely something that I recommend is have a photo of you. And I know it can feel intimidating, um, or feel vain, like I'm posting a selfie, but your audience wants to get to know you. And, um, If you feel dumb, seriously, those 10 random facts is such a fun conversation starter. Um, I always get the best engagement on them. And my students that uh, I've taught in the past, they're always like, I didn't want to do it. And I did it. And I got so many likes and so many comments. And uh, those kind of posts do really well because, again, people want that emotional connection. As a user, what is your goal? Is it to grow a clientele or is it to become an educator as a salon owner? Is it to get more stylists to work for you? Is it to grow your salon business? Um, what, what is your goal? Maybe you have a product company that you want to launch. Like, What is that? Um, and so no matter what your goal is, that's how you're going to tailor your posts. So real quick, for instance, if your goal is to grow your clientele, then if you're posting a photo and you say, this is my client Jenny, and we did a balayage on her, and we toned it with a 9GB, and we um, did this treatment, blah, 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 and you go into all the color formula you used and everything, a potential client is going to land on that photo and go, 9GB? what, What's that? Mm -hmm. And then they're going to come to you and say, Okay, so I want my hair done and I want a 9 GB and a low light with 7n. <laughs> right. And you know why your client's saying that, right? Yeah. So um, you have to you have to think about who you're talking to, right? Uh, so if, if if your goal is to get potential clients, maybe adding color formulas isn't the way that you need to speak to them. But if your goal is to become an educator, then of course you want to be sharing that information and that knowledge. So it all just comes back to what are your goals. And by having those goals in mind, it really helps you figure out what you're going to post, how you're going to word things, um, how you're going to show off your videos. All of those things go back to what is the goal. There are so many things I I call do's and don'ts of hair photos. And um, it's I see it all the time on Instagram. I still see it. And this is why I teach it that way, because I'm like, I know that you're going to think the don't photo is not your photo, but it could be. And so I want to make sure that we're keeping it really good. And it's, it's, we're putting out good quality work because at the end of the day, your hair that you're doing behind the chair is probably amazing. But if you're not photographing it right, People aren't going to know that Um, you're not going to get very many followers. You're not going to get very many clients coming to your salon because maybe the lighting's off. Maybe it looks brassy in the photo, but maybe in real life it was this beautiful icy blonde and a lot of the big name hairstylists that we see on Instagram that are killing it it's because of their photography Your photography is everything. Obviously Instagram is based on photography. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of do's and don'ts. Some basic, simple ones are, you know, um, good lighting, have some really good lighting. And I'm not just talking about the ring light. Um, I think ring lights are great. I personally don't use one. I use a soft box, um, which is a little bit more technical. It's what, photographers use but it really emulates natural light so it's a little bit softer Um, I try to use natural light as much as possible and so my biggest advice is find a space in your salon that either gets good lighting or figure out something so if you need to go outside if you need to invest in a softbox or a ring light whatever that is lighting is so so important Um, and then also something as simple as yeah when you're cropping your photo, make sure to not cut off the top of the head or cut off the bottom of the hair. Um, A lot of times there's so many photos we see on Instagram and we're like, why is that like weird? Like there's just something about it that's not quite right. And usually it's something as simple as, oh, you just chopped off the top of their head you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um so yeah there's there's quite a few I, I definitely go really in depth into it um in my course and you do say i'm i'm totally nerdy i am so nerdy when it comes to this kind of stuff i, I geek out on instagram so yeah, that's, uh, awesome. that's it's, it's my homeschooler in me coming out you know <laughs> i love it all
2: right
0: yeah. so where does facebook and snap fit into all this
9: okay so i do use facebook um i do facebook lives here and there but facebook isn't so much as part of my strategy. My focus is on Instagram because I really feel like our industry is on Instagram. Um, Facebook is great though, because there is a different audience on Facebook. So if your dream client is somebody that's maybe 35 to 60 years old, those like root touch up, the bread and butter kind of clients, highlights, that kind of stuff, they're on Facebook. They're hanging out on Facebook. They're less likely to be on Instagram. But if you're Dream client is to get those kind of unicorn, rainbow, you know, girls um, that are ages, you know, 18 to maybe 30, they're hanging out on Instagram. So that's where you would want to kind of put your focus. Um, Snapchat, I do not use. And the reason why is um, it's not discoverable. And to me, I have to think of anytime I'm going to invest in a platform, I have to think of the return on investment, the ROI of it. And To me, Snapchat, there was no return on investment, especially when Instagram stories came out. Um, So to me, don't have a Snapchat. However, um, I do feel like a platform that is going to be growing and has been growing is YouTube. Mm. I think that um, YouTube is going to be continuous to be growing. It's owned by Google. Google's not going anywhere. Um, It's going to become the newest search platform. Um, It's going to be like Google when people search for things, YouTube comes up. Um, and so it's hard to break into YouTube. I have like 300 subscribers over there, so I'm not anything crazy, but, um, it's definitely something that I'm going to start looking into as part of my strategy for 2018, because I think video and audio is really where it's at. Mm
3: -hmm.
9: Um, and even things like podcasting is going to, Make a resurgence. It's going to be bigger. Um, what that looks like for people trying to grow a clientele, I don't know if that's necessarily something that will be useful to them. But for educators, podcasting, YouTube, tutorial type stuff, audio and video is where it's coming.
0: Episode 17 is with Gordon Miller, recorded not long after he moved from American Salon to Harebrained.
10: You know, coming into American Salon, you know, first and foremost, it was, you know, just rethinking of our web presence completely. You know rethinking of you know how we communicated you know we, we launched a newsletter which you know was not there before and facebook was there but there was no engagement to speak of and and instagram you know kind of similar so you know we grew all those things with the help of a, a team and and um, my right hand courtney bright our social and digital editor um, who we'll talk about it in a minute uh, she um, and i were you know worked predominantly on all across all the platforms and yeah, everything just evolved. I mean, I think most importantly, the community evolved. I mean, I, I think that if, if there's anything that's most significant is what's happened in the landscape. To me, it's the people who are participating at uh, salons and stylists, um, you know, started to figure it out. Um, I was banging the drum at beauty shows and in classrooms Um, um Going back probably six years, um, I started doing classes, that, you know, at shows on the importance of social and the opportunity in social and. Took a few years, you know, for people to kind of catch up with that idea. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that's the biggest change, is, is the way that hairdressers and salons are engaging and, and taking advantage of all the opportunities. Yeah, and all the, the platforms evolve. Certainly Instagram, you know, has blown up. Stories was launched. Uh, I mean, there's been so many changes. The algorithm at Facebook changed today. You know, So so big shift in the algorithm that's going on right now that's going to infect publishers um, as much as anything. And, you know, I think big picture, you know, um, what has changed over the course of that period and, and, and been supercharged most recently when, you, you know, it's just massive disruption of how the things were done before. Mm. Uh, when I th- I'm going to serious business this weekend and, and my I'm doing three panels and the conversations about, you know, education and the role that it plays in, in building success for a salon. And I'm working on my my little, you know, in- opening presentation, which will be five minutes. But, but it's, you know, I, I keep thinking about wow um, you know where where are we today as an industry we are we are in a time of like significant disruption it's gonna be a fascinating year and if you look at every part and piece of the industry um you know i i, I look at you know coming from you know publishing you know prior to moving over to community again with Hairbrained, um you know publishing is being massively disrupted right now and it's being disrupted by influencers So, that's a whole, that's a fascinating separate conversation about this group of people who have come, you know, in the last couple of years have grown to have massive impact across so many segments of the industry, including brands. And the the disruption has been with how brands spend their money with media. So you know, that's interesting. Um, Influencers have disrupted beauty shows. Meaning that the people on the stages aren't the people we used to see. You have a whole new group of people, and a lot of people aren't happy about that. You know, it's like, wait, so they haven't paid their dues. We don't hear that as much anymore, but last year it was a big, big conversation. So I right. see disruption there. You know, I, I, you know, technology is disrupting how how schools, you know, teach. Um, you know, certainly, you know. So many parts and pieces of the digital and social landscape have disrupted salons. And I would say that disruption is is relative to how clients make decisions about where they're going. And then another massive disruption, it's it's that because I have been around a long time, it's it's not as new as some people think. I mean, Booth Rental's been around before I came into the industry. Um, but it was supercharged by technology and by social media. And the you know, the 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 business landscape at the base level of the industry, salons and stylists, has been, you know kind of democratized by technology because now an individual person does have the tools to run their business and to market their business and to and to to do it in a way that's equal or better sometimes than the biggest salon in town right you know or, or the uh,
0: biggest brands in town
10: or the biggest brands and so you know and you know salon republic is an interesting you know result of of disruption in my opinion because as as individual stylists became empowered to rethink their careers you know businesses propped up to support that you know just as social media and technology have evolved businesses have supported have 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 sprouted to take advantage of those changes and software companies and booking companies and you know the list is, is very long but it all comes out of you know disruptive technology um disruptive forces like amazon you know so brands wow uh, that's the most common conversation I have today, you know at the at the higher levels in the industry It's like well, what do we all think is gonna happen? And you know, we don't know but it's it that's a very fast-moving train We know how to supercharge our numbers in ways that are quite different than where we live today But we live in a very authentic very organic very kind of natural social based environment as hairbrained, and we have integrity um, in the extreme, and it's one of the great things about being with a community versus something else. I, I, I don't have the same pressures in terms of performance that relate to driving numbers that you know show up on a stock report or show up on a corporate monthly report when someone says, well, the goal is to have more followers. Right.
0: I think it's a really important point. Are you catering to the market and doing just what the market wants you to do at the expense of creating something unique and brand-oriented, or are you focused on the brand, you know, and um, I, I think chasing likes and and followers and all that kind of stuff can can be a bit of a bit of a rabbit hole that that people can
10: get caught into. It's it's you know it's it's the rabbit hole I think that too many people and, and, you know from salons to stylists you know to brands I mean a similar rabbit hole you know is is you know I think what's happening with a misunderstanding of influencers and influence which I think are two very different things. Um, My friend Michael Cole, you know, um, who does a lot of um, educational business work with with all the L'Oreal brands and with some of the salons, you know, he he does some great education around the idea that, you know, as a stylist, as a salon, you should be focused on getting a following that will drive your business forward. And if you have a thousand likes, you know, you're probably in a really good place. And if you're strategic about those likes and whether it's 500 or a thousand or 2000 depends on, you know, where your salon is and all kinds of other things, but he's like, you know, this obsession with I need 10,000 or 20,000 or 100,000 followers or I want to be that, um, you know, I I think creates massive confusion, and Mm -hmm. I recently saw some research by a a big brand who I I can't name, but their their study showed that less than um, 20% of the profession is actually using um, social media um, as, a, as, as a way to market and promote their business and services. So that, you know, so again, I think there's so much confusion. There's a lot of knowledge that's missing. A lot of people aren't doing what they could, but I think the biggest block for salons is they see influencers and they go, I can't be that. So I'm not going to bother.
0: Mm. I think, it's they, a, I think it's a great go. point. And you and I kind of touched on this on the, uh, podcast that we did together. Where um, I believe you used the term critical mass, and you, you're afraid that Instagram is at critical mass. And I think I, my uh, my response was that I think there's still a lot of um, greenfield for hairdressers who simply want to attract new clients in their you know microgeographies. So, I agree. So while uh, you know. Uh, The stories about, you know, Andrew Does Hair getting 10,000 followers right when he opened his account, you know, and posted some good quality pictures. Well, that stuff doesn't happen anymore. Well, not as much because I I still see it happening. It's much harder. There's no doubt about it. And, And those influencers with the big followings, their following is not changing a whole lot anymore.
10: Right. right. And, I, and I want to go back and clarify, you know, what you said about critical mass of the audience. That's what you and I were talking about. So uh, so I believe that we've reached a critical mass in, in some regard. Um, it's, a, it's a deeper conversation as it around the influencer space. And, you know, my thing is that not unlike celebrity, that there's only so much room in the collective audience's, you know, brain, if you will, um, you know, for Celebrity, we can only, there's only so many. You know, we can't have ten thousand. You know, celebrities. We couldn't remember all their names, right? There's not enough so, attention. Yeah, there's not enough attention. Exactly. So I think at that level we've reached a, a certain type of critical mass, but not unlike celebrity. Now, people will fall out, and that allows more in. You know, so so and that's a, it's it's a ch- shifting landscape, where we don't have critical mass is is what you said, and that is as I as as the brand said to me. They're like, my gosh, eighty plus percent of professionals aren't even engaged with social media to drive their business forward. And that's the biggest opportunity for the entire industry.
0: All right, we're at episode 18 now. We titled this one, How to Use a Smile. This is one of my favorite episodes because I believe it can have a transformative effect on the lives of certain people who often find themselves struggling psychologists have found that even if you're in a bad mood you can instantly lift your spirits by forcing yourself to smile smiling can improve your physical health your body is more relaxed when you smile which promotes a stronger immune system when you smile your body releases endorphins even when you force it who knew that i didn't know that even when you force it you could be in a shitty mood but if you force a smile, it it helps you feel better. This sudden change in mood will also relieve stress. Scientists also say that it's easier to smile than to frown. What does that tell us about the way that our bodies and our minds have been created? Your body has to work harder and use more muscles to frown than it does to smile it's also a universal sign of happiness. So like certain gestures, such as handshakes and hugs and bows or whatever, all have varying varying meanings across cultures. Smiling is known around the world and in all cultures as a sign of happiness and acceptance. I just think that's so cool. Smiling is contagious. Two psychologists at the University of Wisconsin by the name of Needenthal and Wood wrote an article in 2017 called Smiles as Multipurpose Social Signals. It was published in the Trends and Cognitive Sciences Journal. You can look it up and read it if you want. I did and I'm gonna boil it down for you right here. They write about the growing evidence that we have an instinct for mimicking the facial expressions of others. This instinct allows us to empathize with and even experience other people's feelings. It's one of our built-in mechanisms for communicating with one another. They describe how people in social situations naturally simulate others' facial expressions to create emotional responses in themselves. For example, if you're with a friend who looks sad, you might try on that sad face for yourself without even realizing that you're doing it. And trying on that expression, it helps you to recognize what your friend is feeling by associating it with times in the past when you made that expression. Empathy, right? We do this almost immediately when we see another's face. And the most important thing that results is that our minds tell us then to take an action. We have the natural tendency to either approach the person and engage or to avoid the person. Think about that. People have the natural tendency to approach and engage with you or avoid you depending on your facial expression. So guys, this is a powerful tool that helps with the challenges and opportunities in everyday social interaction. That's that's why we're talking about it. Laughter is very similar, but it's kind of like a smile on steroids. Laughter is a powerful antidote to stress, pain, and conflict scientists say that nothing works faster or more dependably to bring your mind and body back into balance than a good laugh when is the last time that you really laughed hard hopefully not that long ago but if it has been a long time uh, you know hopefully you seek that out whatever makes you laugh humor lightens your burdens it inspires hopes connects you to others and keeps you grounded focused and alert it also helps you release anger and be more forgiving. I mean, give me more of that, right? So, what does this have to do with you, you're asking? Realizing that smiling and laughter are both great for you personally and super beneficial to everyone around you, you can use them to your advantage and help others. Hello? As hairdressers, you spend nearly your entire workday around others. You're a connector whether you like it or not and therefore are in a unique position to use smiles and laughter to benefit not only yourself, but a lot of other people. Some might even consider that a responsibility. As an example, let's take a day when you're not feeling so great emotionally. You'll interact with numerous people in the salon throughout the day. Coworkers, clients, blah, 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 blah. Let's say you'll interact with 20 people total in a day how you engage with those 20 people will have a multiplier effect that affects hundreds of others because each of those 20 people that you interact with will interact with another 10 to 20 people each just think of the ripple effect that's 200 to 400 people that you will affect indirectly every day so ask yourself do you want to have a positive effect on that many people or a negative effect you can have a huge positive effect on hundreds of people every day simply because you forced a smile. And that's on a day that you don't feel well, right? And of course, don't forget that it benefits you also, big time. Episode 19 is all about the social networking app, Vero. It lit up in the spring of 2018, getting millions of users and flamed out just as fast right after news came out about its less than admirable owner. I got into it all on this episode i reached out to the company via emails and phone calls but not one person responded to my inquiries for this best of i was hoping to give an update but there have literally been no credible articles written about it since march of 2018. so we're just going to acknowledge the coffin that is buried deep underneath a tombstone that reads Vero. And aren't we all kind of glad that we don't have yet another social media account to worry about and maintain? Episode 20 was our first random person on the street interview. We call it What Clients Are Thinking But Won't Tell You. It's now a series and the episodes are amongst our most popular. Do you find that your hairdresser or barber doesn't change doesn't push the limit enough on style? They never try to push a limit,
11: uh, on style. I go in, they'll, they'll look at the computer and say, okay, do you want a one and a half, then two and a half, and then one we'll scissors cut the top and blend it. And, you know, I, I kind of would like them to say, well, what do you think? What would you like to do? Because I'm, I'm open to new things.
0: So does your barber ever give you a consultation beforehand? Do they ever say that? Do they ever say, hey, are you looking for something new? Do you want to try something different? No, they
11: don't. Uh, and it'd be nice if, I think, generally in the community, uh, for cutting hair, if that if they were cognizant of doing that, yeah. if if you simply personalized it, I know you have so many people coming in during the day, mm-hmm. but if you could if you could personalize it to that person and act like, hey, it's your time to come in once a month, mm-hmm. let's make it look good. Right.
0: In my experience, it that comes with the more expensive right. barbers and a longer service. If
11: it was fifty, if it was fifty bucks or sixty bucks. I think 60 is max. Kind of most guys are going to pay, um, regardless of whether they make 100,000 a year or you know 25,000 a year. Uh, if it's uh, your haircut is 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 worth paying for, yeah. so if if you can go to somebody who can offer those ideas, I, I'd be more than happy to spend 50 bucks a month or me- every month and a half for you know for those things that we talked about.
0: How often do you guys go to the salon?
12: Actually, not very often. How often? like maybe once every like six months.
0: Okay, and you get your hair colored and cut or both?
12: I get them both.
0: Okay, and so what might encourage you to go more often?
12: Um, I like like more modern style salons, so like if I know people from social media that go there more.
0: Do you go to the same person each time?
12: No, I always go to a different person. Like a couple of days ago, I actually let my friend cut my hair.
0: Oh, really? Your friend, like, not a hairdresser? No. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Ah, like a knife in my heart. (laughs) Just kidding. Okay, so, um, but when you find a hairdresser, how do you look for them?
12: I usually go on Yelp, and I usually go for, like, areas, like, on Ventura, like, in Woodland Hills. Yeah? Like, more of, like, a higher-end salon if I were to get a cut.
0: Got it. Okay, I have some referrals for you. Uh, Okay, (laughs) so, and how often do you go?
13: Four times a year, maybe. Okay. Yeah.
0: And cut and color?
13: No, I've never colored my hair, actually.
0: Okay, so about four times a year. And do you go to the same places or different places each time?
13: Yeah, I go to the same place. One time I went to Supercuts maybe six months ago. I hated how they did it, and I've sworn I'm only going back to marry my hairdresser.
0: Good. Yeah. Supercuts doesn't have a very good reputation.
13: No, it does not. No, it does not. I was looking for a quick cut, made a mistake.
0: Yeah, got it. Okay. And so, um, what what are your least favorite things about going to the salon?
13: I'm, I'm really picky about how I like my hair. And it's really hard to find someone who has that exact same vision as me. And I feel like, I don't know, they always do it too short or it's just, I'm really specific how I like it. So I want them to listen to exactly how I tell them I want them to do it.
0: Okay. And do you find that maybe bringing a picture helps?
13: Yeah, but a lot of times I notice I'll even show pictures and it still won't come out exactly how I want. That's why I always, I don't know, I finally found one hairdresser who actually knows what she's doing.
0: Oh, that's great. Very good. Yeah. And how did you find her?
13: Um, my stepmom had been going to her for a really long time. She kept telling me to go. I kept saying, no, it's too far. It's, too, you know, always makes excuses. And then finally I went and I was proven wrong and she was really great.
0: So it's a little bit far for you, but you have confidence that they're going to give you a good service, so you go.
13: Yeah, I'm, I'm willing to spend a little bit of extra money, spend a little bit of extra gas if I'm going to get a good cut. So uh,
0: anything else that you want to tell the hairdresser community out there? Like how can they do what they do better?
12: Social media, I think, is a really big way to get your name out there because mm-hmm. I've always looked through like beauty social media. It's like a really big community on Instagram mm-hmm. and like yeah. YouTube. So I think that could be good.
0: So as a client, you find yourself out there kind of looking?
12: Yeah, it's, I think it's the easiest way and it's like little more personal because a person like himself or herself is like uploading their work. So I think that's that could help a lot.
0: And so when you're looking at the pictures on social media for a a particular hairdresser, what are you looking for? Are you looking for quality of picture? Are you looking for um, the quality of work on hair kind of like yours or what?
12: Um, I usually look for, like, how well, like, captions and stuff like that. Like, it kind of sees what kind of person they are. And um, I don't really care about, like, my specific hair because I know there aren't that many, like, Certain hairdressers that focus on like Asian hair and stuff like that. So I used to go for more like what's in, like modern, like wispy hair and stuff like that, and very like short, easy haircuts. That's what I used to look for.
0: All right, so you look for new, trendy sort of work and the captions matter to you.
12: Yeah, Okay. I, I know that sounds weird, but it matters to me. It's not weird. No, I, <laughs> I think it's really helpful for everybody
0: listening and because not a lot of people put a lot of effort into the captions of their Instagram posts. And so, you know, I, I think that's really helpful. Uh, anything else do you want to say to help the community?
13: Um, I just say make sure if you have clients who go to you and love you, make sure they leave good reviews and take good pictures. Because the biggest way I think that, like, people find new hairdressers, new makeup artists, things like that, is hearing Did their friends like it? Do they have a big following? Do they have people who go to them constantly because they're good at what they do? Because that shows me if they have lots of, I guess you could say, fans or lots of clients that are religious about them and super, they always go, that's a good sign to me.
0: Hello, Camilla. How are you? Where do you live?
3: Here, in Santa Monica.
0: You're lucky dog. (laughs) All right, so uh, do you go to a hair salon to get your hair cut or colored?
3: and not colored. I don't color my hair, but I go to True Salon here in Santa Monica to get my hair done. You know, I trim it about once a year.
0: Oh, excellent. I know True Salon.
3: Do you? I, I also have them, like they'll blow dry it and they'll like flat iron it. Right.
0: Okay, so how often do you go?
3: I probably go there, you know, twice a month.
0: Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. And so what is your favorite part about
1: going?
3: Oh my gosh. My favorite part of going is the awesome head massage I get from my hairstylist. His name is Corey. and. It's really better than any head massage I've ever had from any massage therapist.
0: Oh, I love that. I could spend all day getting my head massaged. Right. Okay, so what is your least favorite thing about going to a salon? And it doesn't have to be about Corey or True Salon, but maybe your previous salon.
3: Oh, it's just remembering to book in time. That's it. You know, it's like all of a sudden I go, oh my God, I need to get my hair done. I'm going to an event or something. And I haven't booked.
0: Right. So it would be helpful if your hairdresser pre-booked you, huh?
3: Yeah, probably would be. For me, it would be. Okay. So then
0: how did you find True Salon?
3: I looked in the... I actually uh, did a search on my phone Uh. for salons in my area, and then I kind of looked at... I did look at their websites. Okay. Yeah. So Google? I did. I Googled it, and then I looked at the websites. I actually clicked on the websites.
0: And you like True Salon's website more than any others?
3: I did, and I saw some uh, review there. They got some... Positive reviews in some of the local papers, mm-hmm. and they had some media coverage that I read.
0: Cool. So the quality of their website is what drew you in.
3: I have to say that is true. I spend a lot of time online, and that is true. Yeah. Cool.
0: Well, thank you so much. All right. What is your name?
3: Stacy. And
0: Zubin. Zubin. That's a, that's a rad name. Yeah, okay. So um, where do you live?
3: New York. And
2: same East Village, New York City. Yeah.
0: Okay. So what is your favorite thing about going to the salon?
3: Um. Um, it's time for me to relax. Um, if the person's good at shampooing, that's the most relaxing part. Um, yeah.
2: Can't stress yeah. that enough, actually. Uh-huh. Good, shampoo. good shampoo. A solid shampoo, like extended. Yes. It's good finger game, right? Yes. Elevate. Finger game is so important. Elevates, important. elevates the experience you dramatically. Mean, totally.
3: Like you're rush and that you're, like, the only person there.
0: Absolutely. I could spend all day in a shampoo bowl. Yeah. As long as the, the finger game is strong. Yes. So what is your least favorite thing about going to the salon?
3: I don't know, when I sit, when I sit down, they should offer me something to drink. Just make me feel like I'm, you know, this is it's sacred time. We don't have a lot of that. Um, I think that's it, just not feel rushed. I know that sometimes appointments run long and so people have to make up time, but you never want to be with somebody who you feel is, is in a hurry.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: What
0: about you? All
2: right, I, I hope that Maureen's not watching this. Maureen, don't take this personally if you see this. Sometimes it's tough to read if your customer like doesn't want to talk or has something going on. You feel forced to like make the conversation cuz you guys only see each other once a month. It's natural to fall but sometimes like you like I have work to do and I need to be on my phone while I'm sitting there, so I don't know Get the gauge of like, should we be talking or not? Yes.
0: So Maureen, you talk too much to your clients. No, no, Maureen. I love you. I'm sorry. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. Please hit me up with a rating or review on the Apple Podcast app or the Stitcher app and let me know that you're listening. Every message, every DM matters, and I read every single one. Also, please share us with your hair loves. Word of mouth is number one for us, just as it is for you as a hairdresser. Next week, I go back to Sassoon Academy in LA and interview Kimberly Marie Stylist. Until then, have a great week.